Welcome to the podcast series, A Tasteful Story by Le Cordon Bleu Paris. In this podcast, we take a look behind the scenes of Le Cordon Bleu Paris through the testimonies and experiences of its alumni. In this episode, we meet Amanda Thompson, CEO and founder of Thompson & Scott, a brand of alcohol-free wine. After 20 years at the BBC as a journalist, Amanda decided to follow her dream of becoming the world's number one non-alcoholic winemaker. She shares with us the experience of her valuable time at Le Cordon Bleu Paris, but also the progress and advice on how not to get lost along the way. Hi, I'm Amanda Thompson. I'm the CEO and founder of Thompson Scott Naughty Alcohol-Free Wine. I'm 51 and I live in Winchester in the south of England. So I grew up in Hertfordshire and was at school in London. Uh, I studied actually film and documentary. So I was originally interested in writing and production. And uh, I ended up in my early career as a journalist um, at the BBC uh, before I trained in wine. Um, I had a fantastic early career. And back in the day, before social media, we used to work hard and play hard. And that was when I developed my love of fine wine and champagne. Um, there were fancy events. And that was how I really started to get interested in the fine wine world. So for me, champagne was my buzz. The pop of the cork, the cold bubbles on your lips um, denote the start of something special. And champagne was really, you know, really tied up greatly for me with celebration and fun and I wanted to see whether it was possible to create my own champagne brand, um, which I now know was a very unusual, very tough proposition. But really, the move to Paris for, for my family um, and the study at Cordon Bleu was the, the choice that I was all in on creating a business because I wasn't about to leave behind a very successful career and start studying again. From 2011 to 2012, it was the wine management diploma and it was the first one ever. It was Cordon Bleu in Paris. It was the global Cordon Bleu's first ever foray into wine in such depth away from just really short courses. So we were the guinea pigs on the course, the first intake of students. So it was quite a big, big thing, both for the students coming from across the world and also for Cordon Bleu Paris. And what interested me most about the Cordon Bleu new course when I started to read about it was the fact that it was very holistic, exploring all aspects of the wine business and most importantly, spending a lot of time with makers out and about in their vineyards. So we did a lot of tasting, which I think is imperative when you're learning about wine. We did a lot of winery, vineyard visits, um, again, crucial, I think, to meet the makers um, and spend time understanding that process. We were in a very small classroom and there was a lot of facts and figures to learn, even though we weren't training to be sommeliers. And then, of course, we did touch on on German wine, American wine, Australian wine, you know, so there were, were, were lots of things that, that we needed to learn in the classroom. Um, but equally, we were getting out and about uh, with meetings and tastings. I mean, Paris obviously has a huge amount to offer there. And then incredible winery visits. 
So the the school was good about putting um, lessons into, uh, I guess, a bilingual format. Um, we used to have somebody who would translate because a lot of the students didn't speak any French. Um, and so it was possible to be English and follow the course, although I think some degree of French w- was useful, particularly when you're getting out to meet makers who, of course, a lot of the time might not speak English. I got very friendly with our main teacher. He was a, an ex-sommelier from the Ritz um, and was a lovely, lovely man. And um we used to also have visiting teachers and and professionals. I think coming from a journalistic background and having had a successful career and being, I guess, the same age as some of the teachers, it was a slightly different relationship. I think a lot of the uh, teachers initially were, were surprised by me. I've I've always been quite single-minded and I've always known where I'm going. And I think initially that was a surprise for people, um, particularly because... I guess a lot of the students were younger and perhaps a bit more open-minded, whereas I knew exactly why I was on the course and what I wanted to learn and what I needed to get out of it. I had a very strong work ethic before I came to Cordon Bleus. I think I, I brought that to the table before I arrived at my training. So I think that there were different approaches for all the students. Um, so Cordon Bleu and my wine training gave me an incredible general sort of introduction to the French wine world. See, the Cordon Bleu helped us to find our internships. I did one um, in Bordeaux, uh, which had a lot of challenges um, as a stage. And then I also had an internship at a, at a, par- a Paris restaurant, which was incredibly fruitful. And, and I got a lot out of that. So probably the best memories were those when we were out and about with the makers um, in vineyards and tasting wine. Uh, absolutely. And, and actually one of my stage experiences in the Paris restaurant was incredible. I learned, learned such a lot assisting the, you know, the chef and the restaurant team. I had a big award when Cordon Bleu just moved um, onto facing the river. They just relaunched their new incredible, beautiful a position in Paris. And I was really, I went from student least likely to winning this huge award. I remember leaving and actually shedding a few tears because I'd worked so hard on building a business after leaving and it meant a lot. So that that award was really special to me to get that from Cordon Bleu afterwards. So there was a huge gap in the wine industry globally, not just in France or the UK, but also the US, you name the market. And there was no inclusivity around the table. And what I've now learned is there are so many reasons people are choosing sometimes not to drink or never to drink. And there were so many alcohol-free options in the beer world that actually I hear from my beer drinking friends, because I don't drink beer, I only drink wine, um, were really actually very good but there was nothing in the wine world. And I recognized this incredible opportunity to change the world actually. And that sounds hugely ambitious and it is, but I'm on my way to doing that now, which was to really develop the world's first really good alcohol-free wine. And so in 20, towards the end of 2019, just before the pandemic in 2020, I launched my first naughty bottle, which was a Blanc de Blanc, like my favorite champagne, so 100% Chardonnay. 
and it was nice and dry and beautifully balanced and it had no alcohol. And that was when the phenomenon was born really, because I had historically worked with champagne and good sparkling wine and we transitioned to alcohol-free then. And then during the pandemic, the alcohol-free brand uh, took off. The New York Times had written about us, the London Times, Vogue magazine, you name it. We'd had this incredible PR buzz. So idea to bottle is challenging. And actually it was ironically far more challenging to make a good alcohol-free wine than it was for me to make a great champagne or or a, a perfect Prosecco or any number of other alcoholic wines. So the huge challenge was finding a maker who could make something great to my recipe. And then eventually I found a maker who I thought could make something along the lines of what I was wanting. But that took a long time. So my strategy with selling alcohol-free wine is really not dramatically different than it was when I was selling champagne. And I think that's another secret of my success. And we've really just positioned it as another delicious wine that happens to be alcohol-free. So I had a lot of difficulties creating the brand, but I never had doubts. I think one of my strengths as an entrepreneur is I'm very single-minded. And I think as a journalist, you're naturally very big on trends. You're always a step ahead. Does that mean there aren't difficulties? Absolutely not. I mean, any entrepreneurial journey is littered with a myriad of difficulties, but have I always been 100% convinced that my brand will be successful? Absolutely. I think you have to have an unwavering obsession with liquid. And I think that's the number one. I think a lot of people are coming into the wine business, the drinks business, the alcohol-free business, any drinks-related business where, where there's liquid involved and focusing too much first on branding and not enough on liquid. Because of history, um, things haven't changed fast enough and the wine business, particularly in the old world, so on our side of the pond, uh, France, Italy, UK, um, is very traditional. And that's obviously historically one of the beautiful things about it. Um, I think you have to be prepared to be patronized. That's uncomfortable, but true. But I think any entrepreneur has to become quite hard-headed. You will be criticized. People don't like change. People do like to put you down. Um, I, and I think that's why it's so important to make sure you're absolutely sure as to what your proposition is and, and why what you're doing it has something to, to to bring the world. It's hugely competitive and hugely challenging. So I don't think there's any point pretending otherwise. I think that whichever way you look at it, the world of wine is having to open up and having to recognize that young people matter and having to recognize that we can't do everything the way we used to do it. You know, don't be afraid to be different because it's often the different ones that go on to achieve great things. The project for the future is to become the world's leading premium alcohol-free wine brand. So wherever there's good wine in the world, I want there to be naughty. So that's uh, probably enough to keep me busy for now. 
Thank you for listening to A Tasteful Story, a podcast from Le Cordon Bleu Paris. See you next month for a new episode. Until then, don't hesitate to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes and can continue to listen to the stories of inspiring alumni. For more information on Le Cordon Bleu Paris diplomas, please visit cordonbleu.edu slash Paris and all of the Cordon Bleu social media. See you soon.